you're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Alana, we've made it to season two, episode 10. Yep. You know, it's all coming full circle. <laughs> this is this is the point we were we were waiting to get to and we made it yeah we made it back at episode 10 a big milestone season one episode 10 feels like it was so long ago that i barely remember it um i definitely don't remember offhand what it was about no clue that's for sure yeah i don't i don't know I don't know the plot, but I do remember us being pretty psyched. Uh, we were, we were over the moon. Sure, of course, as as we should have been. Yeah, and are we just as excited today? No, but but we're close. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. I mean, you know, it's just I think we have um, we have broader goals now than just episode 10 of a season we're we're really going further than that we are which I mean I guess we we were then but it was just like it felt it felt significant which is silly because it's such a small chunk of the show the amount of episodes that we actually have to get through 10 was a very very minor um milestone but you know it was exciting at the time and and I don't want to take that away from from our past selves well I think we just didn't know how far we could go we didn't know if we could do it and episode 10 was a milestone but now we know where we can do it and we are doing it and and we're not we're not stopping and we're even we're adding episodes we didn't really know then that we were going to do fan fiction at the end of at the end of it we're like no 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 <laughs> we're gonna make up our own we want to do more exactly yeah we're like every every season is gonna take us 50 episodes <laughs> each season we add a few at the end like more each time <laughs> exactly we're gonna Just i'm gonna make it longer <laughs> i'm gonna put together episodes to put at the end of like stuff I've edited out from episodes throughout the season but like not in a narrative way it's just gonna be random fragments of us and it's gonna create a mega episode that is probably gonna be our best of all time I think you should do that I mean I think we should do you know the equivalent of a gag reel episode where mm -hmm. it's just all the things that have gone wrong in our recordings that you've edited out um I, there's lot there's lots of things that we could do i think we could do episodes just fully spliced of of the things that scare me or the things that i don't mm -hmm. like that's yeah. that's an option that would be fantastic i was thinking of the <laughs> the gag reel one would really just be us being like, uh, 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 I think that your Zoom is frozen <laughs> over and over again. It would just be that. Oh, no, there's a there's a delay. Oh, you're back now. But I think that people, you know, would find it really relatable. And therefore, it's it's the it's quality content. 
Well, like we said, it's season two, episode 10, titled Red Museum. Um, this episode starts in like a meat plant, sort of a, a, a not, not a butcher shop, but like a really gross first scene. And I will say I often watch this show while I'm like eating dinner and I was not super pleased. Um, uh, on this day when I <laughs> I sat down with my bowl of food and looked at the screen and was like, I can't, I don't want to, I don't feel like eating now. I don't want to. <laughs> well, it started like the very first shot of this episode, I think was just all caps, the word beef, which you know, just really set me up for the tone of this episode. Just all caps, beef. Um, and I think the word you were looking for with meat plant was probably slaughterhouse. Yeah, that's it. I see. I could only think butcher, and I was like, but it's not. A, it's a. It's a before. It's before the butcher, but it's similar, and that's slaughter. It's the more violent of the terms. <laughs> sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. The more, um, you know, factory setting. Mm-hmm. It was a slaughterhouse, for sure. It was. I guess, just to start this, I want to take a step back and say that watching this episode did remind me of the early episodes of season one, the early episodes of this podcast, because... There was a lot going on that I just didn't understand, and I didn't understand how it connected. It it just felt like they shoved a lot into this episode, and I had trouble keeping up with it. I did not watch this episode as I've watched past episodes that confused me three times. I only watched this episode once. Maybe if I had given it a few more watches, I would maybe be (laughs) some sort of understanding uh but yeah i just want to i just want to you know be honest about where i'm coming from mm-hmm. i got a lot of questions okay great i want to i want to share with you um a quote that i pulled from wikipedia um it's directly related to what you said so just bear with me it says uh critical myths john keegan gave this episode a 5 out of 10 criticizing the complexity of the plot He wrote, fairly quickly, the X-Files gained a reputation for episodes that were so convoluted and confusing that few people could make sense of them. This episode stands as one of the shining examples of that trend, and it's only appropriate that the episode was written by Chris Carter. (laughs) Oh, that last sentence is a real big dig at Chris Carter. They're like... His episodes are the most confusing, and he created the entire show. (laughs) I have to fully agree with what you just read. This episode was so convoluted, and there were so many red herrings in it that, like, it was just so hard to follow. And most of the kind of paths that they were taking us down either ended up not being relevant or were never fully explained. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what happened. It was like half of it could have been edited out, which I think we've said about 
episodes before, um, specifically, as you were saying, in the beginning of season one, we were like, why was any of this in here when it, it wasn't, it wasn't where we were going. And now, now I'm still on that thing that you were trying to tell me, but that wasn't even, that wasn't true and it wasn't relevant. And I don't know why I was shown it. Yeah. For instance, the title of this episode is Red Museum. In the episode, Red Museum is a cult of people um, who wear little red hats and don't eat meat and are against the slaughter of meat or the slaughter of animals for meat. Um, But they're not really relevant to this episode at all. Nope. Nope, they're not. It seems like they want us to think that this cult is the one. Kids are being kidnapped and returned with he is one or she is one written on their backs. And everyone or the assumption is kind of that this cult is the one that's taking them. Um, But it's not. It's not. It's not. And therefore it should not be titled uh, Red Museum because it's it's just it's misleading from the very start. Yeah, it's not the cult. And I can't say I ever really believed that it was the cult. Like, no, they introduced the cult, of course, but it, it just never really seems like they're responsible for what's happening. I agree. And I have I actually have a question for you. Um, Alana, as someone that doesn't eat meat, how do you feel about the representation of vegetarians in this episode? <laughs> I was actually fine with it. A lot of what they were saying, I was like, yeah, I get that. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, like, is, a lot of sense. is Red Museum real? Where can I? I wrote down something they said um, at one point. They were like, they who slaughter the flesh slaughter their own souls. And I was like, you know, that really sounds like a lot of um, hardcore vegans that I know. They have probably said similar things. There you go. So this episode did feel like it was working in some kind of pro-vegan message, some kind of anti-meat at least, also anti-hormones, which was interesting, a bit anti-factory farming as well. Um, A lot of things that I connected to, but at the same time weren't necessarily that relevant to this episode (laughs) yeah not really not really at all they just i don't even i don't even know how to talk about what happens because it's all just so strange and slightly confusing but like I mean, I guess I'll just say, you know, there's some sort of potential, maybe, government experiment going on in this town. And they're using the beef as part of it. And that's, like, really where that ties in. And, like, therefore, if you're not eating it, you're not being affected. So, congrats to you. Right. Yeah. At one point towards the end of the episode, they they're like, oh, like the government used the Red Museum as a control in their like experiment. But it's like. Did they uh, like 
I don't, I don't understand. Did they pick that town because the Red Museum already existed there as a control? Because like the Red Museum had no idea what was going on. So they weren't consenting to be the control in this experiment. Yeah, it seems, it seems as though they picked this town because of the existence of the Red Museum. Because there was like a large concentrated number of people not eating meat within a town that's like it's like a cow town it's like that's what they do there you're in cow country but it also just seems weird that like this cult like someone even says in the beginning that it's like you know very bold of this cult to come to the middle of cow country and you know decide to to live here which i guess you know they're making a statement but it almost seems as though like it was done purposefully that they're there but I don't, I think, I don't think so. I don't think they're like plants from the government. They're just, they're just there. And the government was like, cool, this is the perfect place for us to experiment with putting shit in beef and young teenagers. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, I guess they were right about that. You know, be careful if you live near, uh, a vegetarian religious cult. There may be a government experiment going on in your town. Hey, that's what I've always said. Yeah. I can't even count the number of times I've heard Alana say that. It's it's too many. Yeah. There is another part of this episode that I want to talk about, and I'm going to like mention it here because it we're shown it in the very beginning, and the whole time I'm like, how does this relate? And again... Does it? I mean, not really. So basically what happens is in the first uh, scene of the episode, a woman who works at the slaughterhouse goes home to her kids, um, goes to take a shower. And in the bathroom, we see kind of like a like a somebody is looking through her mirror, her bathroom mirror at her and like is like. I don't know, like, perving on her boobs. There's, like, a close-up shot of her boobs. And he's behind the mirror. And they don't come back to this for a very long time. They go into a lot of other stuff before they come back to this. And the whole time I was just like, well, what did that have to do with anything? We're not even, we're not going to go further into that. Um, And I have another thought around this in that, I recently saw a video of an apartment in New York that um, there was like basically a whole other apartment behind somebody's bathroom mirror. And this is something that used to happen a lot in the early 1900s because I, I don't know if it was like many cities, but I know specifically in Chicago, maintenance men in apartment buildings kind of added like a crawl space behind mirrors because they didn't want to have to wait for somebody to be home to be let into a house to fix things Mm. and so they would enter through the mirror and uh that resulted in some murders in some rapes in some bad stuff happening and it's also the basis of the horror movie Candyman, um because like the Candyman also like comes in through the mirror and it, it's based in that reality of murders that did happen that way. So when this happened at the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, we're going like this route, like the Candyman route. 
but no, it's like barely even important that this guy was behind this mirror. No, it's barely important. And it's, 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 I don't even feel like I fully understand why it was part of this. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. We're going to end up having the same questions about this episode. Because I did write that I don't remember much about this episode, but I do remember um, those red hats the that the, the Red Museum uh, people wore. I very much remembered the image of them and their gorgeous hats um, and some of the plot, but not all the these intricacies and, and nonsense. So, sorry, everyone. Yeah. And I just to go back to this, uh, to further explain what I don't understand, the guy who was behind the mirror was filming the, the young boys that were in the house. And I guess also maybe the mom, it seems like he was maybe just like filming everybody, but also specifically that he was also a pedophile because when Mulder talks to him later, that's like very much like the vibe of the conversation. I couldn't tell if he was actually a pedophile or if he was just trying to like say that he was one because it like seemed like if he thought that, Oh, this guy is just like a random pedophile and not connected to the kidnappings then maybe he could get away with it. But Mulder's like, no, like that's not, that's not what this is. And then gets him to say that he kidnapped the kids, but he didn't murder them. He never murdered anyone. Mulder is all in interrogation mode, which I really love. It feels like we're in like a totally different type of cop show. Anytime we're in an interrogation room. Um, but I wasn't convinced that he was actually a pedophile, but I guess I also don't know what the tapes are for, if they're just monitoring their behavior because of the experiment. How many homes is he in? Are there more of him? <laughs> like, Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, Mulder was definitely out of an episode of uh, Law and Order SVU in that interrogation scene. Like yes. he's he's even doing the whole, you know, like if you were a real man, you would have con confronted your problems rather than doing this. Like he's definitely on that type of level. But I do think that this guy was actually a pedophile, and I think that what happened was he was, you know, being a peeping tom on these kids and I guess like multiple families and videotaping them and through that started to realize what was happening to them like almost by accident and that's why he started kidnapping them and marking them as like he is one um, because as he says he's like oh like they're turning into monsters because of these things they're being injected with I I the way that I understood it it was like he he realized that almost accidentally because he was being a bad guy and creeping on these children. I see. I see. I think that makes sense. He is a bad guy, though. We can, I guess, agree on that. 
Well, he is, but it's also like, is he kind of like being set up to be a bit of a hero here because he's realizing what's happening and trying to tell people about it? I mean, listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and are his are his methods, you know, politically correct? No. But is his intention pure? Maybe? Unclear. Unclear and we will never know. So, you know, it's really it's really up to us to decide. I also, and this must be just personally on me, I thought there was a scene before this guy gets interrogated where he was shot by the guy who's going around killing people. But it turns out that wasn't him. I guess his boss was shot, but I definitely thought it was him. So that was another thing I was confused about. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, isn't this man dead? That's exactly what I wrote down. He's not. Yeah, I guess it was the boss. And we just, you know, you know how similar white men look, Alana. That's true. It's hard. It's hard to keep them apart. Maybe his boss was his twin. You know, that's happened in other episodes. It's usually a twin. I mean, there's, I don't know where, I don't know where to go. (laughs) This is a hard episode to talk about because it's so convoluted and it feels almost not important to talk about some of like the things they try to trick us with because they're so not important but I will say that in the first scene where Mulder and Scully are discussing this case I was taken aback by how beautiful Scully looked she has long hair um it's looking great she's in this very fancy white jacket and something that I noticed throughout this whole episode is that she's in white a lot. She wears this fancy white jacket a lot, but even when she's not wearing that, she like has like a white blouse on. And I was wondering if they were doing that intentionally. I don't know why, but it's definitely a consistent theme with how she looks throughout this episode. Scully is an angel is um, what they were trying to get across. I would assume. Sure. I, yeah, that is true. They're just like, we haven't been highlighting mm, that Scully's a goddess. So mm-hmm. we're just going to go ahead and like throw that in here in the middle of everything else going on. So that if viewers can't understand what's going on, at least they'll enjoy looking at her. <laughs> well, they were right about that. That is, you know, the two things that I thought about this episode. I don't understand it, but... <laughs> I like looking at Scully. That's fair. Yeah. I want to share with you one of my one of my favorite lines. Um, but first I'll say I really enjoyed the scene of Scully eating ribs. Yes. Um I thought that was great. It was really fun, very messy. Mulder like wipes her face and it's like Scully's going hard. <laughs> um and immediately following that there's um, one of the Red Museum cult members walking through town and all these high schoolers are teasing him. And one of them says, hey, Veggie Burger, who let you out? Um, 
And as I heard that, I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to say to Alana once, like, you know, it's safe to go outside again. (laughs) I also wrote that down. And I almost brought it up whenever we were talking about meat, not eating meat. I was going to be like, yeah, I get called veggie burger all the time. Um, That is a really great insult. And I also really enjoyed that. Yeah. So good. They, they're they really, they go, I mean, they go from veggie burger to diaper head in like three seconds. And like, none of them are really good insults, but like also they're high schoolers. So I guess it tracks, but I mean, fantastic lines in terms of, of the writing of the show. I thought veggie burger was a great insult. Diaper head, not so much, but veggie burger, great. But is it mean to call someone a veggie burger? I don't know. I mean, would, would you, you be like hurt? being called? Would you like being called a veggie burger? I mean, I think I'd like it better than like beef patty. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> you know, I think that um, I've always said this. I think that teenagers are scary. Mm. And I think that anything that comes out of a teenager's mouth is scary. Um, when a teenager wants to insult you, they're going to do it. And even if, you know, in other contexts, you would be like, oh, that was stupid. If it comes from a teenager, you're probably going to feel hurt by it. That is true. It's also like, it's a, it's a tone thing. You know, like they know how to throw an insult, even if they don't really have the words right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a skill that all teenagers develop for only a few years and then lose as they become adults, hopefully. <laughs> um, I also really liked the eating ribs scene. Obviously, it was extremely cute that uh, Scully had some sauce on her face and that Mulder wiped it off. And I also thought in this scene that Mulder looked so happy. Like they were talk, they were just talking about the case. Um, but he seemed to be smiling a lot. He was probably enjoying watching Scully eat the ribs. But it also just seemed like he was probably just enjoying being able to do a case with Scully again. I mean, I know we had last week's episode, which was another case, but it was maybe a bit more serious in tone. And this kind of felt like, oh, like we're back on the case, and we don't have to think about the sad stuff. We can just like be here with each other yeah they could just like be partners again instead of him being like he didn't have to really worry about anything happening to her in this one um which i'm sure was a big relief (laughs) yeah and i mean should they be talking about what happened to scully when she was abducted yeah they should be but since they choose not to i'll allow their happiness while eating ribs yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'd still we'd still like to see these discussions but you know we'll be patient it's fine mm-hmm. but also whenever Mulder goes to um stop these teenagers from picking on this red museum kid they kind of start I don't want to say they start picking on him <laughs> but Scully does also have to come out and back him up and even flashes her gun at the teenagers even if it was accidentally yeah um so that was kind of fun. It was. And one of them was like, oh, like, why don't you run back to your little wife? And no one corrected that kid. No, nobody. 
But then they were like, oh shit, she got a gun. Yeah, they were. And Scully was like, Scully wasn't even like hand on the gun. It just like, you could see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to see Scully intimidate teenagers. And I would personally like Scully to be behind me whenever I encounter teenagers. I mean, I agree. She's the only one that would make me feel safe. I mean, more safe than Mulder. Definitely. Yeah, Mulder didn't... I don't think he had a good approach with those teens. Although it was funny whenever one of the teenagers was like, call my dad. He'll want to hear about this because his dad is the sheriff. And Mulder was like, yeah, I will call him. He will want to hear about this. (laughs) Yeah, at no point were they like, we're with the FBI. They were just like... Not even gonna bother to tell these children. <laughs> they thought this was just a woman with a gun, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and a guy against bullying. Like, <laughs> you know, later there's um, a scene of the Red Museum. I guess they're kind of doing a protest, I think maybe outside the Rib restaurant, if I'm remembering correctly. And one of these teens comes up again and throws actual blood on one of the women from the Red Museum. And that also felt pretty true to life for me. Um, I mean, I've never, nobody's ever thrown blood on me, but I have, I know people who have encountered um, very pro meat people showing up to you know, anti-factory farm abuse protests with, like, a pig head. That's a real thing that happened to somebody that I know. A real pig head? hmm Yeah. What message were they trying to get across, do you think? <laughs> I think they were just trying to be like, oh, this makes you uncomfortable, so I'm going to shove it in your face. I was going to say I want to know where they got it, but I don't. <laughs> knows i actually don't have any questions and i and i don't i don't want to know yeah who knows um but yeah so a lot of this episode i was like "Mm, i relate to that (laughs) this is a documentary (laughs) (laughs) and yet still not important to actually to the actual story being told no i i mean the Cult was almost just there because it, like, sounded cool to have a cult involved. Yeah. Like, it just gave some extra drama. And, like, the control group thing, yada, yada, yada. But, like, they didn't have to be a cult to be a group of vegetarians. Right. Or maybe they do. I don't know. (laughs) I guess also in the theme of teenagers being scary. So at this this like protest I don't actually know if it's a protest but gathering Scully and Mulder are there and this guy kind of motions for Scully to come over he says he wants to show her something so her and Mulder go with him um and Mulder (laughs) they're in like a pickup truck and Mulder's sitting in the middle which I thought was very cute um but they go to this farm where these cows are being injected with growth hormones um to produce more milk And this guy that's talking to them thinks that the growth hormones are affecting people and specifically the teenagers. And he mentions that in the past year, 
seven people were raped by high school boys, which seems like an insane epidemic to happen in this town. I mean, the idea of high school boys, you know, raping maybe other high school teenagers isn't that odd to me, but I don't even know that that's what happened. He's this guy is just like seven people in the town were raped by high school boys. Yeah, it's un it's unclear who um who the victims were and it it I mean, we I guess we don't have a sense of how big this town is really, but it appears quite small. And not that it makes that big of a difference, but it does just seem like for a small town 7 is a lot. And in a year. In yeah. a year. Like, I don't like it. I'm also pretty on. Un- so we do eventually find out what they're being injected with or what's, you know, in the meat. I don't know that I understand why specifically it's affecting teenagers or even that it is because it's unclear to me if what they're being injected with is actually making them more angry or like more aggressive because it doesn't seem like it should be. Um, yeah, I would assume that if the, what's being injected is affecting teenagers, it's probably something to do with like that time and development that like maybe they're more susceptible to hormones versus young children or like adults. There's like, you know, some sweet spot of like when you're going through puberty that is maybe causing a greater effect. Um so they're they're being injected probably with um purity control, which is a reference from the season one finale, Erlenmeyer Flask. Um, it's alien DNA, basically. It's the alien DNA they found in the Erlenmeyer Flask that they were testing on humans and, and on monkeys that um, they stole and discovered the DNA and yada, yada, yada. They lost it, but Scully does these toxology reports on these kids, and that's the thing that keeps coming up. That's what she recognizes. And so we don't necessarily know from that episode that that DNA causes violence, but I think it's just supposed to be implied. I guess the monkeys were a little violent, but we didn't know if that was just like because they're monkeys labs. are always violent. No, Alana. <laughs> <laughs> and the people that we saw were just like superhuman in Erlenmeyer Flask, you know, like didn't die because they had this alien DNA, bled green goo instead, or were like in those test tanks in that warehouse. So there's there's not like a clear reference point of like this can cause violence, but it seems like maybe that's why they're testing it and they didn't necessarily like maybe they're learning that it does. Yeah, yes. it's 
It's hard to say because they don't tell us. I was going to say the same thing. Like what we know about this drug, when it, it successfully takes and creates alien human hybrids is that maybe they can breathe underwater and they have, you know, green blood and they're able to heal themselves. But we had heard nothing about it being a behavior change. Um, and the other thing is the guy who was peeping through the mirror, who, by the way, I forgot to mention this. His name is Gerd, which is an insane name. Yeah. Uh, Gerd. Um, he says that he starts kidnapping these kids and marking them with like the he is one or she is one because they're turning into monsters. But we don't know in what way they're turning into monsters. Like we just see them being assholes, but do they actually have special abilities? Because we didn't see that with any of them. No, we didn't. And one of them, the sheriff's son even is killed. So clearly if he was injected with it, he was not able to, to heal himself. Um, I don't, you know, they told us a lot of things, but what they didn't tell us is the things we needed to know. Exactly. Okay, here's another thing that I don't understand. There's a whole other subplot about a doctor who is killed. And it turns out that the, do the doctor had been treating all of the kids who were kidnapped and marked as being like he is one or she yeah. is one. But, so, like, we learn that the doctor has been injecting them. We do learn, I'm now remembering, that the one kid had never been sick in his life. Um, and we're told that this doctor has been injecting them with just vitamins. But the, the alien DNA is also being injected into the cows and everyone is eating it. Yet the doctor's specifically doing like injection shots to these kids too. Is that what I'm to understand is happening? Yeah. You know, honestly, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> but yes, that is what's happening. And it seems like there's a group of kids that from the time they were born have been routinely getting these injections. Um, and those are, as you said, are the kids that are marked. He is one. She is one. Um, and so they're obviously getting much higher doses of this substance than um, people just eating it through cow meat. Um, and so it almost seems as though there are like various experiments going on in this setting, which is that like, can this substance be absorbed and like change you just through consuming it or does it need to be directly injected? And it seems like obviously there are greater effects by, you know, just having pure injections of it. Duh. But it's unclear if everyone in the town is eating it, is everyone being slightly changed is everyone getting slightly violent or becoming you know stronger healthier or are the cows like 
why are the cows involved if you're also just injecting children with it over the span of their lifetimes? Right. That's what I don't understand. Why do both? And that's another note towards how convoluted this episode is, is that you could have just chosen one. You could have just said they're putting this into the population via the cow meat, or you could have just said, there's a doctor who's injecting all of these kids with this. And it's like, why are we doing both here? Especially if you're not going to explain what we're learning from doing this in two different ways. Obviously, if they're just doing injections into the children, then the meat thing isn't necessary and the vegetarian cult control group isn't necessary. And so they were like, we need more plot lines. So also we're going to put this in the beef. Like, I don't know what that decision was, but clearly they just wanted more to be going on than, you know, kids are being kidnapped and, you know, acting strange, yada, 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 which would have been a fine plot if it was just that. It was just kids are going missing in this town, coming back with words written on their back. Also, there's instances of, like, high violence and assault in this town with the teen population. That's enough. <laughs> don't need the rest. But, you know, as that reviewer said, it is their style to be convoluted and that's, you know, what Chris Carter wanted and that's what he did. Yeah. I really feel like they had maybe I'm maybe this isn't true but I feel like up until now in this season they had done a good job at not being too convoluted I mean yeah it's the x-files there's always a lot of weird stuff going on that we don't have answers to but this is the first time I guess in season two that I really feel like there were 10 plots going on here and they didn't really see through any of them Yeah, this season was able, or this season did a lot of, like, through storylines up until this point because of Scully's abduction um, and all those other things that, like, had to connect. And so they, the episodes that weren't part of that were quite simple, I think, because they were like they knew the other ones had so much going on and now they're like, well, you know, apparently we've wrapped up Scully's abduction. Nobody talk about it ever again. Let's get back to that confusing shit from season one. Uh-huh. That's yeah. what people like. <laughs> Is it Chris Carter? Is it what the people like? I mean, I don't know, but it was a hugely successful show. So I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess now I just know to keep an eye out for the episodes Chris Carter is specifically writing. I guess, yeah. But I bet I bet the whole writing staff can write some crazy shit. Sure. The other aspect of this episode is that There's this guy who's going around and killing people. He's separate from the guy who is kidnapping the kids and leaving them naked in the forest with he or she is one written on them. But he's killing people. He kills, I believe he kills the doctor. He kills the sheriff's kid. I don't know if he kills anybody else, but 
He's killing those people. Skelly happens to see him drive past and is like, oh, I think I know that guy. He looks familiar. She can't place it. But when Mulder is interrogating Gerd, she realizes that this guy is the same guy she saw drive past her in the season one finale and then shoot Deep Throat. So this is a guy from the government coming to clean up what's happening here so that nobody figures it out. And we've seen him before because he killed Deep Throat. That's right. And uh, what an incredible memory Scully has. I would not have recognized this man um, in this show or I think in real life. I, you know, there's no part of me that, that remembered that face. Um, but yeah, once they realized that, they're like, well, we need to find him because he has some answers about what is going on in terms of purity control being distributed amongst these residents, all that crazy shit we've been talking about. And Mulder very dramatically tells Scully that he wants him alive. And so naturally, he is killed. Um, not by Scully. Scully's no fool. Uh, the sheriff kills him because this guy killed the sheriff's son, Rick, who, you know, was an asshole, but is now dead. And so he's all pissed, kills this guy. And any chance we had of figuring out what the fuck was going on here, gone. Yeah, he's dead. He was also killed while trying to burn down the slaughterhouse, I guess, because you know, that's evidence of what's in the meat. But I imagine there has to be other places where there's evidence of what's in the meat, like the barbecue place. Yeah, you would think there's a lot of places to the point that shouldn't they have sent more than one guy to take care of this? They were like, no, this guy's really good. (laughs) He's got it. It also doesn't seem like he kills enough people. I mean, so Mulder does hide the rest of the kids and their families. But, I mean, wouldn't it? it, They've been feeding this meat to everyone in the town except the Red Museum. So just the kids that were getting injections might not be enough. And he doesn't even kill all of them. No. Uh, I don't know. If they're going to try to kill them later, uh, I don't know. That's just kind of, I guess they're like, you know what? We tried. We couldn't get them. So that's that, I guess. Well, maybe they found that, like, people just eating it through the meat weren't, nothing was happening to them. Because they had people getting injections. They had people consuming it with no injections. And they had people not consuming it and not getting injections. So maybe they were able to figure out that consuming purity control through your meat is not going to have an effect on you. And so he only needed to kill the kids because they had, you know, it directly in their bloodstream versus anyone else. Maybe it's not showing up. Yeah, that seems possible, but I do want to call out that Mulder and Scully ate at that barbecue place, so if it's possible to absorb alien DNA through meat, they have done it. Yeah, Scully was really 
chowing down on the ribs. So she's got it if if they can. But it does seem like that's possibly not working. Um, which I assume what they were hoping to find out is that it does work and that it'd be super easy to distribute something into the general population just by putting it in a very common food. But alas, it does not seem to be working that way. It, you know, it, it, there's too much of a process for it to, to go into the cow for the cow to become meat, for it to be cooked, and then you eat it, it's like, it's too late. It's gone. Yeah, that's true. But that also just brought up another question to me of, so like, I understand they're doing this for an experiment. They're trying to figure things out. But why would they want to know how they could, you know, distribute this DNA in a mass way through food? Why do they want, like, is, do they want to turn the entire population into alien-human hybrids? Is that the end goal here? I guess we don't know. Um, but, I mean, we knew they were testing on humans before, so they were, they're trying to do something with it. And, and Alana, you're just going to have to keep watching. But I think they want to know how they can get it yes. into, into people. Without people knowing, really. Well, so when they were when they were testing it on specific people, I understood that they were trying to figure out how they could use it to cure diseases or ailments. But just like putting it into the entire population at once in a secretive way is like, well, why? And also, when all of us realize we never get sick, or when we're able to breathe underwater, don't you think we're going to be like, hey, what happened here? Well. You know, what if they need to make superhumans for war? For alien war? You know, they just, need to, they just need to know that they can control humans and make them better than they are, basically. Or rather, more powerful, stronger, less easy to kill. Are aliens working with the government population to turn us all into aliens? I've stumped you. You're in shocked silence. Um, no, I just can't answer you. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's just what I'm thinking about. Uh, and again, yeah. as someone who said that I would happily become an alien human hybrid honestly that would be fine with me what would just if they wanted if the government was working with aliens to turn oh, me into okay. an alien human hybrid that would be fine i see okay great even if it was done without your knowledge or consent yeah who cares i mean if it's gonna better my life who cares i mean i don't know if it really is going to better your life. I could breathe under, like, if we're going back to season one, I could breathe underwater. I won't get any diseases. I'll never be sick. Maybe I'll live forever. But these kids started raping at an alarming rate. Yeah, but that's because they're, they're shitty kids. I don't have to deal with teen hormones, so I think I'll be fine. All right. We'll, we'll see. It's 
see what kind of unknown side effects there are. They are going to have to figure out a way to get it to me that's not through me, though. Well, you know, I think we've shown that that doesn't work. So they'll, maybe there's going to be another distribution test. Or maybe there already are going on in various places, you know. I don't think the government's stupid enough to only test in one town through beef if they're really trying to figure out how to get this into people. Mm, never under, underestimate the government's stupidness, I would say. Okay. <laughs> there was a part in this episode where it's when Mulder's interrogating Gerd. He says to Gerd, you're not making any sense. Make sense to me. And I just felt like that uh, encapsulated my feelings about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Just, you're not making any sense. Makes sense to me. Please, for the love of God. I just really like that as a directive. Makes sense to me. I feel like I'm going to just say that to everyone from now on. I think you should start. Absolutely. You can say it to me when I'm not making sense describing anything from these shows. <laughs> oh, I'll absolutely do that. Wonderful. I do love that they end this episode with <laughs> Scully says this case remains open and unsolved. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm frankly, I'm glad that that was included because I'd be quite shocked if they told me that this case was closed. We've never closed an X-File and I don't think we ever will. Yeah, I mean... That's why the X-Files can never be shut down. Like, they just have endless open cases. Mm hmm So, next week, uh, the episode we're watching is called Excelsius Day, I think. And our little synopsis here says, A series of violent attacks at a convalescent home are linked to angry spirits from beyond the grave. Now, that's exciting. We're going to get another ghost episode. Ghosts. Love ghosts. And I'm glad it's not painting it as though it's telekinetics and then it turns out to be ghosts. If it turns out to be telekinesis again, <laughs> I'm going to be really upset. I mean, they're like, telekinesis is so season one. Well, even though Alana will soon be an alien-human hybrid, aliens, if you are out there, why don't you just go ahead and come get us? Because we're scared. 